Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Action, the series where we hear from entrepreneurs from all over the world on how they bring success to their clients and build their own success in the process. I'm your host, Warwick Merry from warwickmerry.com. Now let's get straight to it and hear from our next Entrepreneur in Action. Welcome back to another episode of Entrepreneurs in Action. Now today I have with me the cleaning equipment guru. It's Peter Betts from Clean Power Cleaning Equipment. Welcome, Peter. G'day, Warwick. How are you today? I'm really well. I'm excited finding out more about the seven key mistakes that businesses make with buying and using cleaning equipment. Now, most people probably would not think about essentially industrial or powerful cleaning equipment. So how, how long have you been in that industry? About 10 years. Right. Uh, worked for a couple of other companies, helped them grow their business and established one new business mm-hmm. and then doubled the income of the second business I worked for. And one of my greatest frustrations was not only in those businesses, but just in the market in general, used to find people weren't getting the service that they really should get. They weren't getting a professional service that they should expect. So I decided to start my own business and deliver that type of service. Fantastic. There's nothing like being frustrated about something to give you the the impetus to go, well, I can do better and get out there and do it. That's exactly right. And so if you've been in this industry for 10 years, you obviously know what's going on. So how is industrial cleaning equipment different from the mums and dads kind of domestic cleaning equipment? Is there much difference? There is. There's quite a difference. Most of the equipment is quite more substantial, more robust, more durable. And in fact, that's one of the traps that people fall into because the smaller equipment can work quite well for a short period of time. So people will go to a Bunnings or a Masters or to one of the tool stores and buy a piece of equipment off the shelf and think that they've got the right type of equipment. But as it turns out, that won't last the distance because they might be trying to use it four to six hours a day and it just won't last. And so they've made false economy. Yeah. And I think that's probably... Um, a, a big issue with many circumstances in that the domestic item is, is quite affordable and the industrial one is a bit more expensive and there's that uh, that lack of understanding about why. So, well, let's go through what the Kevin seven key mistakes are uh, when, when buying and using these cleaning equipment. So the very first one that we're looking at, uh, we were talking before, you're talking about how people rush into buying equipment. Tell, tell me more about that. They'll have a particular problem. It may be that they've not got a piece of equipment at the moment, or they may have a piece of equipment that looks like it's not going to last. And they'll rush out and buy something because they need it immediately, and they won't seek professional advice. So they'll go to, as I mentioned, Bunnings or Masters or one of the tool stores, and they'll buy something off the shelf. They may not get professional advice at those places because they're basically designed to move boxes. They don't get the more involved conversation where they're looking at what the application is, how can they apply the machine, what type of machine would be best for their application. So they rush in, buy what's there, and away it goes. And it'll work quite okay for maybe three, four, five, even six months. But then eventually they'll start to have problems. They may damage a hose if it's a pressure washer. They may have problems with the vacuum cleaners. Vacuum cleaners are in some ways very simple machines, but at the same time, there's a number of key things that people need to be aware of about health and safety, environmental impact. A good example of that's in bakeries where some bakeries will buy just any old vacuum cleaner. Flour is actually an explosive product and they risk blowing up the whole bakery because they're using a standard vacuum cleaner. There's special vacuum cleaners designed just for that purpose. Flour is an explosive product. Yes, it is. Fantastic. So 
Obviously, you know, you've talked about OH&S, you've talked about other uh, guidelines such as explosive flour. So how, are, how is a company supposed to know this kind of stuff? In some cases, their quality assurance people should know. Right. In a bakery, for example, they should be really aware of that. I find it amazing that in some cases, some clients that I visit or some potential clients don't know that, or they're not using vacuums in the right way. For example, they're using a conventional vacuum cleaner to vacuum out their ovens, which are hot. So you need a special vacuum cleaner that's got a Nomex filter in it, for example, like the race suits that car racing drivers wear, made out of the same material so that it can withstand the heat of the oven. And so we try to help educate people, and as part of our ongoing education of our customers is to make people in the bakery industry aware of all the risks, both from an OCH health and safety point of view, an environmental point of view, and also the conformance to the explosion-proof standards. Right, so you're really talking about making sure that your equipment's fit for purpose. Exactly. So it is about, instead of the gut reaction of, oh, I need something to clean that up, it's looking at, okay, well, what exactly do I need? So rather than just that gut reaction, well, this will do, bang, away we go. Mm actually doing the research. Well, I yes. suppose, and that probably leads us on to the next one we were talking about earlier, which is uh, expecting a boy to do a man's job. What, what do you mean by that? It's really about getting an undersized machine, and that can apply right across the board. I've actually worked in a few industries, uh, the earth moving equipment industry, the automotive industry, and it seems to be a little characteristics of the Australian psyche that people will always buy the size machine that's one too small or two too small. And they then expect that to do a man's job. And it's a bit, I usually explain it by saying that if you want to buy, a, if you want a vehicle that's going to carry a tonne of wood all the time, you don't buy a half tonne ute. Right. And it's a bit the same with whether it's a pressure washer or a vacuum cleaner or, or a sweeper or a scrubber, that you need to look at the application and get the right advice. And that's the important thing, to get the right advice on what equipment should we have. Then we can talk about budgets and finance and all that sort of stuff down the track. But let's start with the right machine first and then tackle the problem. Do you find that's an issue that people are saying, I want to go cheap and so this is good enough? It's like it's good enough within my price, yet their total cost of ownership ends up being more because they're going to buy two or three of those versus if they'd spent the right money and got the right one the first time, that they, they would have been fine? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, That's a real issue. To, and it's an education issue to help people understand that cheap is not always cheerful. Yes, yes. And I, and I suppose that's it. It's cheap. It's rather than getting value, you're going cheap. Yes. And just you're buying down to a budget. Um, I, I'm really interested going back to this whole concept of if you've got to carry a ton of wood, you want a half ton ute. My gut feeling, and I'd love to over-engineer things, my, my gut feeling is if I'm going to be carrying a ton of stuff all the time, I'd actually want a ton and a half capacity just so I've got a bit capacity, extra capacity for that day when they overfill it or over time it's going to wear down a little bit so if it's a little bit better. I was talking to someone about computers, and I always like to buy a bit better spec than what I need because it lasts me longer. Is that the same kind of thing with cleaning equipment? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely right, isn't it? If you can afford it, it's always good to go slightly one better because then you, you've got that, what I call it, headroom uh, or safety ceiling that if you do need to overapply it at a certain point in time, you're not going to hurt the machinery and it'll continue on and handle the job as it's intended yeah. to. Okay. And I, and I think, you know, just b- because we've had a bit of a hot spell here in Melbourne of late, air conditioning is a, a, a great analogy there in that people will get a, let's say, a, a air conditioning that's good for a 33-degree day. But once you had a few of those 40-degree days, 
you're going to fry your air conditioner. Mm. And so many people have done that over the last couple of months. Yes. And sometimes we find that people will buy a machine based on an existing facility size, but in their business planning, they plan to double it. Oh, like yes. say they're a warehouse, they've got plans to double the warehouse, but they'll buy a machine for the existing warehouse and not really think about how they're going to handle the cleaning in the new larger warehouse and end up over using the machine because they bought something that's ultimately too small for yeah. the total facility. And that would essentially damage the, the life of the, the equipment if you're continually running it at, at double capacity, essentially. Yes. Um, all right. So we've talked a bit about cheap. So getting on to the third key mistake that, that you've mentioned here is cheap is not always cheerful. Uh, it, essentially, it sounds like what you're saying is you get what you pay for. You do. It's that simple. And coming back to our earlier example about the domestic type machines, whether it's a pressure washer that you might buy from Bunnings or a tool store, it'll work okay. Mm. And most of the little domestic machines, whether they're gurneys or Karches or another brand, they do a really good job for a while. But then they get overtaxed and they they wear faster than they were intended to. And also people don't realise it and they don't get told this when they purchase the machine but if they buy a domestic machine and put it into a commercial application the manufacturers won't support the warranty because oh, wow. it's being it's being abused effectively what? is right. the way to look at it and so if you did buy a domestic machine and put it into say like a car wash and people do that there's no warranty on that machine whatsoever wow. so most of the manufacturers are exactly the same and uh, therefore it's important Again, to get the right advice, and usually the right advice comes from professionals in the industry, companies that are selling cleaning equipment, they're servicing it, so they know what the reliability factors are, they've got trained staff to look after it, and that's what people really should look out for. You know, Am I getting a good upfront price, or am I getting a machine that was not that expensive, but then what happens when they walk out the door? Where's the service going to come from if they look at buying something like that through one of the big retailers or one of the tool chains. So we're talking about total cost of ownership. Yeah? Yes. So yes. it's not just about let's buy the product, but making sure that we have a good service plan along the way. Because you're right. I mean, like, as just a consumer, I've been down to the local hardware store and bought the cheapy $40, you know, drill. Yep. Um, or And if I'm using that all day, as sometimes I will, by the end of the day, it's stuffed. Like it, it, it's lost all power. The battery doesn't charge anymore because it's only really intended for a burst every now and again. And that's all it's sort of built for. Yeah. And a lot of those domestic machines, the smaller ones are basically designed to wash your car, maybe wash down the patio or the front veranda or the windows. If someone's got a slightly bigger property, they might own a one-acre property and they've got a tennis court and a couple of other things, a swimming pool possibly, then one of the bigger domestic machines is fine because it'll work for an hour or more comfortably and that's what it's intended to do. And even those machines, it's a good thing to give them a rest after a while. So the smaller ones, run them for 20 minutes, give it a rest for 20 minutes. The bigger one, you can run it for an hour, give it a rest for an hour. But then when you get into the commercial machines, which is where our primary focus is, we do sell domestic machines, but where our primary focus is, the commercial machines, they're designed as you go up in size from a machine that you might find around the $1,500 mark to something around the $7,000, $8,000 mark. They get heavier and heavier and heavier as you go. So it's like four-cylinder, six-cylinder, V8, yeah, yeah. V12. So you've got that that upgrade of engineering with every step that you go, yeah. which, as you were saying before, it's really going to depend on your requirements. Because, you know, again, the domestic, we're talking about cleaning the, the tennis court, the patio, whatever, you're really only going to use that once 
a month. Every couple of months even, yeah. you know, not that often. Like, I don't know that many people who clean their patio more than once a year. Mm. You know, maybe you wash your car every couple of weeks. So versus, you know, a lot of this other equipment you're talking about, you're doing it either once a week, once a day, once every couple of days kind of stuff. Yeah, we've got big industrial vacuum cleaners at one of the big food processors, mm. and those machines are running 16 hours a day. Wow. But they're machines that are worth, they're vacuums, big yes. vacuum cleaners, they're worth about $25,000 each. Yeah, yeah. And so they're designed to be running exactly right time. So what about people who, and just talking about your, your next key point here, who they're just going to keep running their machinery way past its, you know, best before date. You know, we're talking essentially flogging a dead horse. What would you say to the people who want to do that? They're really throwing good money after bad because they'll be driving it into the ground to the point where if it does need repair, it's going to be an expensive repair. And sometimes people will say, okay, let's get it repaired. But then you strengthen one part of the machine. Maybe say you rebuild a pump on a pressure washer. So you bring the pump back virtually to new spec. But the electric motor's been running for four years and that extra load that's on the electric motor might cause the electric motor to burn out. Yeah. So sometimes it's not smart to do that. There's also examples with like an explosion-proof vacuum cleaner. There's a good example where the electric motor in it has failed and they're a very expensive motor because they're, they're spark-free motors. Mm -hmm. You can repair that, replace all the seals and you might spend $2,300 to do that. But to replace the machines only thirty four hundred. Yeah. And there's some circuit boards in there that are worth about eight or nine hundred bucks each that are okay, but they might fail in three months' time. And then you've gonna spend maybe nearly four thousand to have the whole thing fixed when you could have had a brand new one with a full warranty. Yeah. Straight out of the box. It's just if it goes past fifty percent, I usually say to people, think about do you really want to spend the money on fixing this? and you're going to spend half the price of a new machine, mm -hmm. or is it better? Sometimes the personal circumstances of that business, mm -hmm. it makes sense to do it. In other cases, it doesn't. One of the big paper mills was needing just to run till it closed down, and they had a big industrial vacuum cleaner. So with them, we helped them get that vacuum cleaner over the line for the six months, yep. but then they closed down, so they didn't need it after yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you know we're actually talking, it's, it's more than just... I need some equipment. It's looking at what's the strategy of the business? What's the long-term strategy of the business? And how can we help their align their equipment needs with that strategy? We've yes. talked about we want to double the size of the warehouse. The newspaper's going to close down in six months. So it really is having a, a holistic and, and larger viewpoint as to what your requirements are. It is. And that's what we really try to help. Right. Because of my background being in business consulting and working in the corporate world for quite a significant part of my career, I understand more about those business issues than just, it's not just about buying the machine, it's looking at the whole strategy of why you want it. Unfortunately, cleaning equipment sometimes doesn't get much more care than a mop in a bucket. I've got to say, for many businesses, the cleaning equipment is going to be pretty low on their priority list. That's exactly right. And they don't see it. They'll spend twenty or $30,000 maybe on a ride-on sweeper. Yeah. And then they'll put an untrained person on it and yeah. then wonder why they're spending a fortune to fix damaged panels 
or because they're doing circle work out in the factory. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) It is so true. If you get one of these right on sweepers and put it into a tight turn, it's it is a bit like circle work. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's not what they're meant for. But that's the thing, isn't it? You see these organisations who spend a truckload of money on an asset of some description, be it the cleaning equipment, be it something else that they've got going out there, and then they'll get to a casual staff member even. Um, and who they haven't trained to use it, and it's and they wonder why it doesn't work out. Mm. I suppose that comes into your next point, which is is all about um, the longevity of the equipment. Mm. Which you know what you've said to me, it's all about if you take care of the equipment, it take cares it will take care of you. So, what sort of care program would you need for some of this equipment? Look out for um, a service contract, possibly, mm-hmm. um, or cap price servicing is another great technique which. The car industry uses the cleaning industry hasn't quite stepped up to the mark with that mm-hmm. at this point but cap price servicing would be something that you could really look at and that really looks at managing the machine regular services someone's looking at it on a regular basis and picking up small faults that would probably go unnoticed by the operators <clears throat> or the owners of the machine whereas if someone comes in with a an outside perspective as part of that service contract or part of a cap price servicing program, then they're looking for the little things that could cause longer term damage if they're not attended to. Um, A simple example in a pressure washer situation, a gun might be leaking. A fellow that's using it, it's fine because when he pulls the trigger, it works and does what he has to do. But then the gun sits there and leaks and the machine in the background, and it might be in another room, is going burp, burp, because it's the pressure drops in the Mm -hmm. hose up to the gun. The machine thinks, oh, he's pulled the trigger, I better start up. And then the safety valve cuts out, stops the machine, and then it waits. And then the pressure drops in the pipe. And this gets into a regular yeah, motion. Yeah. And if that's not fixed, it can actually destroy the pump in a pressure washer. Right. Okay. So people but people go, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Just keep using it. It's yeah, only a leak. Yeah, it's not yeah. It's not causing any problem, but it actually is. Right. That's right. A, a classic example. And yeah. there are others in, you can name a few in sweepers and scrubbers as well as vacuums. Yeah, yeah. So, so it really is that um, looking after, as we said before, the, the cleaning equipment's low on the priority list. Yes. So what you're talking about is... Take the care actually off your business's hands, outsource it to someone else under one of these fixed price contracts yep. or, or whatever it is, and then it's up to the, the the service company to come in every couple of months or however long it mm. needs to, to just check that everything's sort of running smoothly. There's a good example of that uh, a prestige car dealership here in Melbourne mm-hmm. that we actually look after, and that's exactly what we do. They, they've basically said, you're fantastic because you take the problem away from us. Yeah. It's your job to look after those machines and keep yep. them running reliably yep. and cost-effectively. And as long as that's happening, we're happy. Yeah. And and that's a great relationship. And that's where a, it really works. And another example, um, a, com- a company moved their service operation away from their sales operation. Sales operation was responsible for maintaining the cleaning equipment that was detailing those cars in that particular location. They stopped the regular servicing, and now that machine is in big strife, and we've been asked to come in to right. try and sort it all out. But it's not the machine's fault; it was because it wasn't maintained. Yeah. No yeah. one was looking after it. Yeah, yeah. So, so it really is about stick to your core competency. Yes. So, if you're in, you know, manufacturing, if you're baking bread or something, so it's like keep baking your bread. Focus on that. Yes. And we'll make sure that you no, know, your equipment's all still going to be doing the cleaning that it needs to do, and it's the right equipment at the right place at the right yep. time. There's a good saying is. Only do what only you can do. Yeah, okay. 
and and that's a that's an important message for all of us in in lots of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too easy to get uh, so, sidetracked by the BSO, the bright shiny object of oh, that looks like fun. Yeah, let's get one of them. Or get sidetracked by you know doing accounts or stuff if it's not your business. Yep. Um, you, you said one of the other things and one of the the other keys that, that people struggle with is um about keeping the staff on side. Uh, talk to me what what you mean by that. We see lots of examples and seen many examples over the years I've been in this industry where the machines are not up to the task. They might be undersized, they might need maintenance, there's possibly a blowing hose or something, and management almost turns a blind eye to it. They expect their staff to get a quality result. Mm-hmm. Car detailing is probably a very simple example because we can all relate to a clean car, yeah. and yet the machines are not maintained on a regular basis. Um, they try to make do, and then the management gets cross with the staff because they're not achieving the result or they're not achieving it in the time frame that they want. Yeah. And so to help keep staff morale right up there is give them good equipment. You know, don't skimp on it. You might go, yes, it's going to cost me money. Okay, it might cost money in the upfront, but think about the loss of productivity mm. of that stuff. First of all, the staff of got low morale. So they're not going to have their heart in the job. Secondly, it's taking them longer. So that's actually costing the company. So short-term thinking and, and not planning ahead. And if you don't plan, then yep. you get bitten on the bum. So you're really talking about leverage, aren't you? So it's sort of like if you have the right equipment that's running smoothly, you, your team can do what they're supposed to do, do it well and, and get in, get out and with no mucking about. In the same way, if you've got a photocopier in the office that's not working properly, you're not just going to go, oh, we'll write it out by hand. Mm. You'll get the photocopier fixed. Yeah. And a lot of companies have got a service agreement for their photocopier, mm. but nothing for their cleaning equipment. Mm. And it's an interesting mindset. And it is something that I've found being in other industries that there are there are some really good companies that don't get me wrong they're not all all bad but there's yeah. some good people good dealerships that sell the equipment and there's good customers that really do look after their equipment properly but i would say that there's a bigger percentage don't yes compared to say other industries you know people like to get their car serviced regularly if they want to look after it but the same people might own cleaning equipment and they don't care mm. or they don't think about it well and it's it's amazing the cleanliness, sticking with the car example for a moment, the cleanliness of the service bay is a real, uh, it's a key point when mm. you're going in with your car. If it's all messy and dirty and not looked after, people sort of go, oh, what are they going to do to my car? There's a classic example of that. Another customer of ours, they're in luxury and exotic cars mm-hmm. and they're a panel shop. Right. They repair those vehicles. And when you walk into the uh, front showroom area, it's like walking into a five-star hotel. Highly polished tiles on the floor, there's a Ferrari or a Porsche sitting in the showroom, which may or may not be owned by the owners or some of their customers that might be storing the machine yes. in that location. They've got a bar for coffee and exotic Italian uh, spa <laughs> drinks and, and yep. Italian beer. A bit of a canotto. Absolutely. And then you walk into the repair shop. It's not like any other panel beauty you've ever seen. Yeah. And we take great pride in the knowledge that we've helped them present that image. They've done the hard work, mm. but we've been part of their team mm. because in 2012, they won the best luxury, sorry, the best large panel shop award in Victoria. Fantastic. So that was probably proof that A, their strategy's right to, to treat their customers as those customers would expect to be treated. Yeah. And 
we've been able to support that by helping them. They have a ride-on scrubbing machine, right? And that thing runs probably three hours a day, and it just circulates around the panel shop all the time, cleaning any of the dust off the floor. So you could you could sit down. We could sit down and have sandwiches on the floor in that place. <laughs> it's that clean. Surrounded by Ferraris. Fantastic. I love that idea. <laughs> well, and I've seen, just talking about, uh, you know, putting your service department on show, um, in Adelaide, there's a place that you go past that they've put glass, it has glass walls around around the service area. So mm. you can see in and see them actually servicing your car. So I think that having this this clean area, and there's a lot of manufacturing bases now that, that it really is about taking pride in the workplace and, and, mm. and making sure that everything looks okay. Look, the seventh one that you've you've listed here, um, which it, it's a very simple uh, management axiom that that I've heard so many times, which is, if you if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. How does that apply to cleaning equipment? When people rely on the equipment as their prime source of income, and a good example is that a, as a car wash mm-hmm. or even a commercial cleaner that that they need the equipment to earn their income. Yep. Or it might be a secondary component. And another good example of that is, um, say, in the car industry, in, in the car dealership game in particular, that one of their key attributes of servicing your car is that they wash it and detail it for you. So that if the vacuum or the pressure wash is not working, then they can't present the image that they want to present. If it's so that's a sort of secondary. It's they're not earning their income with the cleaning equipment, but it's an important adjunct mm. to their business. Back to the first example, people that rely on cleaning equipment, they may not have a service contract for the machine. They oftentimes don't have a backup for the machine. And I always say to those people, if, if those two categories in particular, if if you're just say cleaning a warehouse, you can get by without the sweeper for a few days because it's going to get a bit more dusty, but it's not going to stop you earning your money and shifting product. But you should have some form of backup plan. Whether it's a backup machine, it doesn't have to be as big as the primary machine, but something that's going to allow you to keep going, it's important. And people don't often think about that. And then they come back to a company like ours and they want it all fixed overnight. You know, why can't you fix it by tomorrow? You should have the parts. You know, why do we have to wait for the parts to come from Denmark uh, or Germany or somewhere else? And, and that's that whole, you know, a bad planning on your behalf doesn't constitute an emergency on mine. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that saying yeah, yeah. because that's exactly right. And we've actually, one customer it's taken over eight years. Mm. This last fortnight, I've got them to agree to buy a backup pressure washer. Right. It's taken that long to convince them because they've had too much pain. Yeah. And our whole purpose is to get rid of the pain, mm. to take the pain away, make life easier, help reduce your costs. You know, if it's, help, if it's related to money making, help increase your revenue. Yeah. Or in the car case where people are getting their cars washed when it's serviced, helps to create a competitive advantage over the dealer that doesn't wash the car. A lot of what you're talking about is really risk minimisation. Yeah. You know, so if something does break down, there is a plan to get around it. And, and and even if that's like having some kind of backup agreement so that, you know, someone can supply them something for a short period of time mm. or whatever. But yeah, and you know, we were talking earlier about like sometimes you might need, instead of fixing an old one, get a new one. You might still keep the old one as your backup plan. Absolutely. That's the kind of thing that you can, yes. you, you, I'm assuming you can do. You can do that. Or you might say, look, we won't buy another machine, but we know Kennards or Coates have equipment that might do the job for us. Yeah. 
another example of one of our customers there in um, the the uh, contained pallet business for mm -hmm. food. So it's an aluminium container based on a pallet size, and they clean those, and they have to clean them properly. And they had a machine down situation, and they hired a machine from Kennards. It didn't affect their operation, but they had a management um, decision that had been taken prior yep. that said, if we get stuck, we'll go out and hire a machine yep. so that our business is not affected. And if you look at the little mini business case around that, the cost of hiring that machine was probably insignificant to the money that they would have for made sure. by continuing the operation. Yeah, for sure. And as you say, it's just it's just having a plan in place, which is, you know, in this case, is simple. If these core bits of equipment break down, rent another one for a short period until we can fix it, replace it. Yeah. But it's at least have knowing what you will do. And mm. I think too many businesses get into the whole, oh, everything will be fine, versus going, Should okay, be right, but in the chance that it's not, what do we do? Yeah. We've seen so many examples over the 10 years in this industry that you really wish you had met these people earlier yeah. so that you could have helped them. And half the time they wouldn't have believed you anyway. <laughs> well, the, the one that took eight years to get a backup pressure wash is a classic example. Some people learn slowly, but yeah. eventually they listen. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is of such good advice, particularly to, to uh, you know industrial organisations who have that ongoing need for, for cleaning equipment that is not going to break down. If someone wants to get in touch with you and find out more information, how can they get in touch with you? A couple of ways. Our website, which is uh, www cpcequipment.com.au and the 1300 number which is 1300 139 845 so www.cpcequipment.com.au or 1300 139 845 Peter, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been fabulous to to understand what these seven key mistakes for businesses who are buying or using cleaning equipment. I think if they, at the very least, consider those issues that they make and then have plans around it, it's going to make a huge difference. So thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Warrior. It's been great. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs in Action. We hope you've enjoyed this edition. We look forward to having you back next time on Entrepreneurs in Action. I've been Warwick Merry. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs in Action, proudly brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Alliance Inner Circle. They work with entrepreneurs to create wealth, freedom and connections. You can find out more about them at www.eaic.com.au. Well, that's it for this edition of the Entrepreneurs in Action. Thanks for joining me. I've been your host, Warwick Merry from warwickmerry.com. I look forward to joining you next time for another episode of Entrepreneurs in Action.